I think one of the big lessons that they've taught me is that you shouldn't try to just push upon your interests upon them. Like, I think you have to see what your kids are into and then nurture that. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now, here's your host, Art Eddie. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. And I'm so pumped to have this guy on. Go check out his uh, awesome podcast in the final. If you watch NHL Network, MLB Network, you know this guy. None other than Adnan Verk. Thanks for taking the time, sir. How you doing? Art, veteran move by you. You DM me asking to come to your podcast. It's, you know, I'm just interested. I like to keep my family private. You know, people know I'm a dad, but I don't want to go into detail. 20-minute podcast sounds like a lot. So rather than be deterred by that, you sent me two economy-sized boxes of Milk Duds because you'd heard me on the podcast of Cinefa say how much I love Milk Duds. And I said, you know what? I do other people's podcasts on occasion for nothing. And this guy sent me two boxes of Milk Duds. So <laughs> Art, that is a good lesson. Anybody listening, uh, I'll probably say no to you if you DM me, but if you send me Milk Duds, I will say yes. So that's, <laughs> a, that's strong work by you. Let's hope we can get a copycat chain here. <laughs> Love it, man. Send more milk duds to Adnan. That's the whole message of this podcast. We're going to talk about, like I said, cinephile and other great things, but we're not going to get too personal, but when you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind, sir? Well, I was definitely surprised. Uh, we had not planned on it. Uh, my wife and I got married. I was 29. She was 22. She was just finishing college. And um, I was in Canada. She's American, so she was just coming up to see me. And then uh, it was right after we had gotten married, you know, went in Rome, do as the Romans do. So honeymoon baby. And uh, when she told me I was stunned because uh, I was like, wait, we just got married and now we're having a kid. And I, I think most people are, would like to have a little bit of separation between those two major events. And so, okay, <laughs> let's get married. It'll be three years from now, have a kid. But it was, you know, nine months later. I'm like, okay, so this is how we're going to do it. Uh, so I, I was definitely shocked and surprised and concerned and stressed and all those things. And, and I was the first of my group to get married. So I was the first one to have a kid. So it was, you know, I really couldn't relate to anybody who could kind of go through what I was going through. My brother's a few years older than me. Um, so he tried to give advice and cousins and such. But I, I thought one of the best pieces of advice somebody told me is that there's a reason it's nine months. Like if it was tomorrow, I get it. But you've got nine months to prepare. So you have the shock for a month and then hopefully you'll start to accept this and then you'll be understanding of what is ahead and, uh, you know, take Lamaze class with your wife and read books on parenting and, go get the crib and like step-by-step step, you can kind of get more into it. Uh, and I found specifically, you know, we have four boys. The other three subsequently, I didn't know the sex of the babies. I didn't want to know. Cause I said, no matter what, it's going to be a blessing. So if it's a boy or a girl, I'm going to be thrilled. But the first time I did want to know, because I said, I, I, this is already a bit of a shock. I don't want any more shocks now. I don't want any more surprises. <laughs> so uh, when we found it was a boy, I was thrilled. I saw that's great. I'm really excited to have a baby boy. So I think that helped as far as just knowing what we're having. Obviously, as a girl, I'd be thrilled too. But once you know it's a baby boy, okay, we're, we're carrying on the Verk name. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I, and I think that, you know, it was step-by-step step gradual, the excitement. And then, of course, once he arrives, it's, it's, it's the best, as you know. So um, I think for women, as they say, they become mothers once they become pregnant. But dads don't really become dads until they actually see the baby and, and hold them and, and kind of go from there. So I, I think, you know, God has a plan for all of us. I... I <laughs> Given my druthers, I would not have gotten having not had kids so soon. But you know, the first year of marriage, they always say is the hardest. So you know what? If it's going to be hard, no matter what, it might as well be hard on top of being a father for the first time too. So it was it was doubly hard for us. But but he's uh, given us so many blessings, and obviously his brothers after that too. So it's been uh, it's been a fun road. Love it, man. Yeah, I'm going to be asking you a piece of advice for new dads or a dad hack. But I love the fact that you had the idea of 
nine months to prepare. Like there's a reason why there's for nine months, right? And you don't like, you know, it takes nine months or 10 months or whatever, but like the way you broke it down, it like kind of like, all right, yes, yeah, so you got the crib and you got like the books and the Lamaze classes and all that. I love that. Um, talk a little bit about the values. I mean, hard work. I mean, people who know your career, you gotta have hard work. So yeah. I'm guessing that is one value. What are some of the other values you're looking to instill? Yeah, I mean, listen, my wife and I are both people of faith. You know, we're both devout Muslims. So the big thing for me is having faith and family and friends. I think if you have those three Fs, then you're pretty much in good shape. So I think, you know, right out of the gate, we tried to instill the importance of piety and leading a good life and a righteous life and uh, loving God, respecting God, respecting others, respecting your elders. Um, you know, we go to mosque every week on Fridays. The kids have Sunday class on Sundays. So similarly, just some Christians have, you know, Bible study or Jews have uh, Torah study. Same thing for us. We go to go to their Quran class every Sunday. So I think that was a big thing for us, people of faith. You want to have a child of faith and understand your role and importance. Uh, work ethic is definitely big, as you said. I, I think, um, you know, my career, I've been really lucky. I'm certainly not the most talented and uh, certainly not the most handsome. And uh, I, I've probably broken a few cameras in my day. But, but the reason I've been on TV is just, I think, because of hard work and, and, you know, obviously God's grace and a lot of it is luck and just having great people around me. You know, honestly, uh, I think you talk to a lot of successful people and honest, a lot of times it just comes down to, to hard work and right place, right time. And, and I do think luck is definitely a big part of it, but uh, I think the expression is, but opportunity meets hard work. That's how you make your own luck. So I, I do think that's definitely accurate and, and I've been fortunate in that respect. But I think, you know, having love for each other, respect for each other, those are probably the big ones. Work ethic is good. You have to like my sports teams, otherwise I'll kick you out of the house. That's a big one <laughs> me. I've explained that to the kids, yeah. You have to you have to like the films of Barton Scorsese and Al Pacino, Robert yeah. You're not allowed to at least you're not allowed to live in this house. So they've understood those rules as well. So those are probably the basic ones for me. <laughs> the fact that also too you're a loving dad, you know, because you mentioned those movies, and I know you're not a fan of the Marvel ones per se, but you take your kids to see them, yeah. so that shows that you are making you have unconditional love for them. <laughs> but yeah. talk, talk a little bit about some of the the lessons maybe your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad. Yeah, I think one of the great things with my kids, and it's all different ages, 14, 11, 5, and 3, and now 6 and 4. My youngest is turning 4 tomorrow. So I, I think that the big lesson for me is that, you know, you never want to lose your sense of childlike wonder or childlike enthusiasm. Like my son, Adin, is 11. Like, he still gets so excited, especially now as we're recording this on Halloween, about monsters and, like, the way different things evolve. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Like... You know, maybe he'll be like, the, like a George Lucas type, you know, industrial light and magic. He'll love doing Rick Baker, of course, the great makeup artist did uh, so many good uh, Tim Burton movies. I'm like, maybe he'll be like that. Like he just, he's so fascinated with monsters and zombies and ghouls and goblins. And, you know, I think when you get older, you're kind of like, oh, that's kid stuff. But then I'm like, no, it's, it's actually pretty cool how into it he is. And, and I think you kind of touched on with the Marvel stuff. Like it's, it's not my cup of tea and I would live a great day if I didn't have to ever watch another Marvel superhero movie. But, but I, I understand the appeal of it. I think, and and I go, okay, I, I get it. If you're if you're a kid, you just love superheroes. Like, like my friends were always like, oh, I can't, well, it'll be great once they can start watching Stanley Kubrick movies with you. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we're gonna get to that though. Like, <laughs> they they may just be like superhero type kids. They may just want to watch superhero movies, and that's totally fine. I mean, Dad can watch Pulp Fiction in the other room, and they can watch uh, Avengers Endgame or whatever version is gonna be the end Avengers ten years from now. Like, that's totally fine. So I, I think one of the big lessons that they've taught me is that you shouldn't try to just push upon your interests upon them. Like, I think you have to see what your kids are into and then nurture that rather than say, oh, you should do this or you should do that. It's like, okay, well, like, what are you, it's, I think you start the conversation, what are you into? And then they answer, you go, okay. So like my eldest, Yusuf, he likes sports like me. You know, we watched the Eagles game yesterday. 
but like he loves doing fantasy. I, I find the whole thing loathsome. Like I have no interest in fantasy. I'm like, I, I never understood the concept of why would I draft players on teams that I don't like? Like, why would I just watch sports and just cheer for the Eagles? Instead, like I have to have a cowboy, I have to have a John. I'm like, no. Like, and I guess the point to that would be, well, you don't have to have those players, but no, but if, if I have Dak Prescott available, why wouldn't I then take him? But but out of spite, I would say, no, I'm not going to because I'm an Eagles fan. So therefore, I'm not going to win the fantasy. So I, I just I find the whole thing ridiculous. So yesterday while we were watching, he said, can I check my fantasy team? I said, okay. He then disappeared, Art, from the room. I've got this DirecTV. As you know, because I'm finagled this, I've got a free Sunday ticket. I've got eight televisions watching football. I've got four in the other room. My 11-year-old I mentioned doesn't like sports. He's on the iPad watching his uh, monster movies. So he's totally good. My five-year-old is great. He's playing with his Legos. He's got other stuff he's doing. And my three-year-old, he just goes around throwing stuff. So like, it's totally fine. He just, he makes a mess. We'll clean it up afterwards. So he goes downstairs and he's gone. I go, what do you, you just missed another AJ Brown touchdown. Like, what are you doing? It's like these kids with their fantasy. It's like, it's ridiculous how much they, they get so excited about it. I said, the whole point of watching the game is that you are not staring at a computer. Like, if you want to check your fantasy team, do that after. Like, I thought the whole point of watching the football is you watch the football. Instead, it's like to have your nose in a computer checking your fantasy team. I go, oh, this is ridiculous. So I said, okay, I'm giving you five minutes to check your fantasy team. Then you have to shut down the computer, and you're going to watch the rest of the Eagles game with me. And then you're going to do your homework because we're not going to, you know, this, this, it gets very distracting. You start doing all these different things. So, But it, it goes back to our essential lesson, which is that do what he's into. So he's into fantasy. My brother, by the way, is a huge fantasy guy. He got him into this fantasy league that they're doing with other families. Look, all right. That's what he wants to do. Let's make a compromise. Okay, check it. Then we're going to go back to this. And then after we're done, you're going to check it again. We're good from there. Um, so I think that's but that's a big one for me. Like I've talked to parents and like, especially as a sports guy, you just assume, oh, your kids like sports? And I'm like, no, my 11-year-old doesn't like them at all. Like nothing. Like just doesn't have an interest. If I, if I put sports on, I'll go to the other room. Like he's, you know, if I take him to a game, he's going solely for the pizza and the, the ice cream and the Pepsi. Like he'll be bribed like all children, but it's just not his thing. But rather than be upset or frustrating, oh, why aren't you into this? It's like, hey, dude, like I have I have friends who are not into sports. Like it's it's totally fine. And uh as long as he keeps himself company, that, that's all we're looking for. No doubt. It's like that iconic line from Varsity Brews, I don't want your life, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly right. It's part part of it's too with music. Like my eldest, like he's just always listening to rap music. Like some of it's just so vulgar and just vile. And I'm like, hey, I get it. Like I I know what those words are, but like I'm an old man, you're 14 listening to this, but it goes back to our point. I'm not going to convince him to listen to John Coltrane overnight. I'm not going to convince him to listen to the music that I like. So, you know, like, hey, man, you're into that thing. Other kids are into it. All good. You do your thing. And I think having interest in your kids' interest is, is a great way to keep that connection. Because everyone's like, you know, you have a teenager. I have two teenage daughters. And it's always like, oh, good luck. I'm like, well, if you, if you talk to them and they know that you care about what they're into, not shoving your interest down their throat, I think that'd be great. And I think everything you said kind of bleeds into this next question. Dad hack or piece of advice for new dads, what would it be? I think be patient. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's the biggest one. I think that um, when I look at being a father, I think patience is probably the greatest virtue you can have. And that extends to everything. As a father of teenage daughters, for yourself, I've heard the stereotypes of teenage daughters that there's just, there's hormones, there's stuff going on. So I'm sure for you, it's just, hey, just be patient. For a 14-year-old boy, uh, he can be stubborn. He can be disrespectful. He talks back to his mom. His hormones going on. So I'm like, just be patient. Like, just talk to him, calm down. We're all good. I think counting to 10 is a good exercise for all concerned. Um, you know, I think, I think, that, you know, my 11 year old, he used to have like tantrums and stuff. And now like, he's fine. Like it just takes time. I had to be patient with him to get to a level that he can control his emotions. Um, my five-year-old's great, but he can be a little rude sometimes. He's a little bit blunt. So again, be patient rather than be quick. 
three-year-old, again, monster, just throwing stuff everywhere, just has no interest in anything. Uh, you have to be patient. I think that's, those are the biggest things. And, you know, I, I really read helpful stuff because, you know, you talk to different parents of different age and it's like, yeah, yell at their kids or insult their kids or spank their kids. And, and you and I are not immune. We have definitely had moments where we have lost our temper and raised our voice. But everything I've ever read, Art, it is not helpful. It is not constructive. It doesn't work. And there have been times I've heard parents go, no, no, I read my kid the right act, he changed. I said, no, but I, I really do deeply believe in this stuff. I, I read a really extensive book about the damage you can cause your children. And there's been times that I've lost my temper. I've said stuff like, um, what are you, stupid? Or, you know, don't be an idiot. And I was like, that can really have repercussions, you know, down the line that they can say, oh, my dad, even if you said, don't act stupid, you're still using the word stupid. So you're basically a con your kid. So don't act like an idiot. No, he's still hearing idiot. So it's like, it's, it's really important that, that you have to be careful. And trust me, we have all been there. We, the kids are not listening. They're acting up, they're disruptive. But the best way to get them to calm down is to be patient, kind of talk on their level. Um, I think you punish by withdrawing, like meaning, hey, you're, you don't get to watch the iPad now, right? So you're taking something away rather than screaming in their faces, why, did you just, why don't you listen to that kind of stuff? That, that is not going to help. But I get it. We've all been there. So I, I have found as a parent, when I'm starting to lose my temper, remove yourself from the situation if you can. This is why road trips are hard because in the car, you can't. They're screaming. <laughs> you, you can't just get out of the car. You have to hold it. But if you can't in the house, take a lap, right? Just 10 second pause, come back and calmly go, hey, guys, I need you to calm down. I'm trying to get some work done. If you could please help me out. I appreciate it. If you guys, a lot of this negotiation, if you can just stay quiet, I, you know, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. So if you guys can stay quiet, you'll get iPad for 10 minutes. If you can just, you know, get this stuff done, I can take you to Chuck E. Cheese. Like, but, I, but I've got to get this done. All right. From the same page, we're good. And I think that's kind of where it goes. I, I think that's probably the best one. I think patience and understanding as tough as it can be for all of us. Preaching the choir. And I'm so glad you're on the show, man, because especially for new dads listening to this, patience, people don't always say that, but you broke it down so eloquently and just having the idea of like those negative words or actions, or if they even yeah. see you, being frustrated and just like start yelling. It's like, that's going to have things down the line. And you know, that's a great dad hack. And if people listen to cinephile, man, there's different avenues. I, I, I really want to go and chat with you, but let's talk a little bit about cinephile, man. Like I love the fact that you not only have a passion for movies, you have a passion for way something is shot and directed and all that. And you read a bunch of books. I know, uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Cody's always talking about like how you guys, like you read books and you're very, and again, being truthful. Like if you listen to this invite, like, Hey, I'm up to page 248. Right. And it's like, I haven't finished a book, but I love it so far. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just from all of that. And I know that you look at movies in, in different ways and, and maybe than other people who are just enjoying just a film for a film. But I'm guessing you take writing over anything in terms of films. Like you can have a great cast, but the movie is a dud, or you can have yeah. special effects, but the movie's a dud. Like for you is, I know like Scorsese directing all that, but for you is writing the main fundamental for you enjoying a movie. hundred percent. You nailed it. I, I think, as you said, you have a great cast, but you're stranded by a bad script, you can't overcome it. Great director, flashy, visual panache, understands the actors, but if the script isn't good, you're left with a hollow ending, characters you don't find believable, a plot that's unconvincing, you just, you're gonna be let down consistently. So I think it all starts with the script and writers are often the most maligned, the most underappreciated, but like, you know, great writers like David Mamet or Aaron Sorkin, Nicholas Pileggi, like when, when um, Paul Schrader, like when you write a great script, you can tell how it sings and in the hands of other talented people, they can bring it to life and bring it to a different level. So I think that's, that's kind of where it starts. Um, it's funny you mentioned books. I'm currently reading 
Madam, which is the biography of Polly Adler, icon of the jazz age. When you said page 245, I go, well, I'm actually on page 225 of this one. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, good job by art, actually, knowing where I am in this book. 470 pages. We're almost at the halfway point. I don't know about you when you read, but I find it takes me a little while in the early going. But once I get to about a third or halfway, I start pounding it. Meaning, so you try to read an hour a day, but like I might read 20 minutes at night and I get tired, I go to sleep. But now that I'm at this point, now I will carve out hours of my day. Like I'll get to work early and go, okay, I've got to read. And like people will come to my office and they're just blown away. These producers like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading. They're like, you read? I'm like, oh yeah, I love reading. I'm like, wow, I haven't read a book since, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm like, well, I'm too bad for you. Like I, I am learning a lot of good stuff here. And John Skipper, my old boss from ESPN and now with Metal Arc Media and also we reunited to Zone. I thought he described reading as one of the great simple joys of life. He said, it's a lifelong hobby that doesn't get you in trouble and is consistently rewarding. And I said, that is outstanding. Like for a guy who has a podcast called Cinephile, and yes, given a choice, I will watch three movies a day. I really do love reading and I always make time for reading. And I, I honestly, it's one of the, I, I can't think of any more pleasures in my life. Like whenever I'm taking a flight, the only reason I like, I hate flying, but the only reason I like is read a book. Yeah. People go, what'd you watch on the flight? I go, no, no, I, I can't wait to turn my phone off and take a five hour flight to San Diego. I'm like, great, I'm just gonna get a lot of reading done. And I'll just pound through this book about one of this Hollywood madam, Polly Adler, which somebody recommended to me. So it's, um, you know, in a lot of ways I'm old school. My old school movies, as you know, The Love of Scorsese, his best movies from the seventies. And I love Coppola and Pacino and De Niro. Those guys obviously have been around a long time but their heyday was a, a different era. I love old music, as I said, I love, you know, Motown music, I love jazz, some different era. And I'm probably just an old soul when it comes to books. Cause I know today a 44 year old man Probably not reading books, maybe reading a Kindle. I, I don't like that stuff. I, I, as you know, go to the library. I take it a hardcover book and uh, I still love doing it. And I, I think for movies, you're right. It all starts with the script. And um, I think writing is, and I have such admiration for writers. Like when I meet a great writer, I'm like, man, like how, how do you do that? I could because yeah. I've tried to write and I'm like, it's hard. Like it is really, it can be a painful process. And um, my friend Dan Stanzik put it well, I don't know who the author was, but he said, I hate writing, but I enjoy having written. I, I think it's kind of like exercise, right? Yep. I mean, you're in good shape. You, you and I go to the gym. I don't like it, but I like the feeling afterwards that I've exercised. So I think it's kind of like that with writing. Well, I think exercise and reading in front of your kids is a great way where maybe you're not pushing that itinerary down their throat or agenda, but they see, hey, dad's reading. He's working out. Like, And my daughter's like, especially like in middle school, like, hey, you got a good report card. Where do you want to go? Barnes and Noble. Sweet. All right, let's get wow. some books. So that's awesome. what you want. Um, yeah, I was about to say, my 11-year-old, he's one of the few that actually likes reading. So to your point, you nailed it with the Barnes & Noble. I'm like, all right, let's go, because I have to get a book, and you tell me what you're into. And he loves The Last Kids on Earth series. So oh, nice. I, I bought him like four of them. I was like, okay, tell me which ones you want. He's like, I haven't read these. And I go, let me get all of them. Bam, I'll pay 50 bucks if that's going to give you something to do and something to read and something to enjoy. 14-year-old, no luck. Doesn't like reading, but now I'm going to have to try something else. Because I tried sports books and stuff, and I, I got this great, just even a magazine article on Clemente. I go, you're going to love this. Never read it. So now my, my brother said, he goes, try comic books. And I go, no, I don't. he's 14. I don't think he's read comic books. But then I thought deeper. I said, maybe graphic novels. And I said to him, I have noticed, because I can check your search history, you seem to like violence. You seem to like girls. So I can get you on these graphic novels. They got pretty cool stuff in there for 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And he was like, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. So I might go graphic novels. Graphic novels are a great gateway to get kids into reading. And they'll find like what genre they're into. So well done, man. Love yeah, it. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, in this day and age, social media, people have like, you know, 240 characters or like a one minute video and they'll say something and they're like, well, that's kind of just rude. Or maybe I didn't understand it, but 
listening to your origin story of how you became into movies and how watching those movies and seeing movies maybe you shouldn't have watched at a certain age, man. <laughs> I love that. And again, it shows you your passion. And as you can tell, I'm a Star Wars, Marvel comic book geek. I love those movies because comic books were something I grew up with my dad. But there's other movies that have nothing to do with it that, like, I, to me, I felt like The Dark Knight was a great movie. Didn't even, like, seem, granted, it was Batman and Joker, but, like, it almost took it away from being that movie because of the character and writing were so good for me right. personally. But for people who have not checked out that episode where you kind of explain your origin story and you talk about maybe like the superhero movies, I'm done with this. And I love Scorsese and all this other stuff. You kind of see probably trends. It's almost like in, in, in sports, especially in the NFL, like, Oh, they're going to do a read option type of offense. And everybody else does that. Cause someone just won the Super Bowl this year. So yeah. there's always that wash, rinse and repeat eras. I know you're probably looking forward to the superhero being done, but like, what was your, it seems like maybe the classics, but was it the eighties, like, you know, mafia movies or whatever, but what type of like era of movies were, was your heyday, your golden era? Like for me, nineties, like Jordan era basketball, love that time, the NBA for you, yeah. for movies, what would it be? Yeah. I, you know, I grew up, I was born in 78. So the nineties to me are a really special era because that was that real independent film movement. And you look back and films like, Pulp Fiction and Fargo and Secrets and Lies and Breaking the Waves and, and filmmakers like Tarantino and like the Coen brothers and the way they just kind of, you know, emerged. Paul Thomas Anderson. I just watched Boogie Nights. I hadn't seen that in like 15 years. What a hilarious, hilarious film sprawling and just got so much he's throwing out that he's just such a talent at that era. Magnolia is a great film from 99 that Paul Thomas Anderson did. Being John Malkovich. I love Charlie Kaufman, Spike Jones. Of course, the Beastie Boys music videos and they started making really these avant-garde strange films. So 90s movies hold a really special place in my heart because I grew up in that era. Those are ages 12 to 22, which is a really formative era. But if you ask me now, like when I look back at, at cinema, my favorite films are often from the 70s. So it's, again, I was born in 78, but if I look at my favorite movies, it's always uh, generally crime films, as you said, mafia era movies, and it's generally the holy trinity of uh, Scorsese, Pacino, and De Niro. So Godfather 1 and 2, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon. Um, you know, I think if you look at One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, The Exorcist, French Connection, that whole era of movies, Taxi Driver, uh, Mean Streets, it's pretty remarkable how many great films came out of the 70s. And I think that era really does hold up and it was really influential on others. It was a time where the filmmakers actually had juice and they had the power and the clout to get things done. And what I miss about it is that those movies I just mentioned were not like, you know, cult classics. They were big mainstream hits. Like The Godfather was a major book. It became the number one movie out there and everyone was watching it. Same with Cuckoo's Nest or Chinatown, a film that I love. Now, the movies I'm mentioning that are up for Oscars, those are seen by a very small group of people, right? Like it's, it's you know, uh, you're going to get maybe $15 million gross or $20 million gross for these movies. It's not those superhero movies which are being seen by many. So it kind of becomes tricky. Like, I don't know if maybe something like Wakanda Forever, which is coming out soon, you and I are going to see it. Maybe that should be nominated for Best Picture because maybe it is a great film and that is what people are watching. And you want to kind of have movies that reflect the times. Or is it like the 80s where you started to make a lot of these big budget movies, which were not high quality, but made a lot of money and it ended up being other films that won Best Picture. So, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's tricky. Like, I think it depends. Do you want, if you want the Oscars to matter, I guess you should have like a category as they talked about, you know, best commercial film or most popular movie Then that way you can get, you know, the superhero films recognized because too often you're going to have mainstream moviegoers go, well, why am I going to watch the Oscars? I haven't heard of any of these movies. You know, like I just watched a film last night, which is outstanding. It's one of the best movies of the year. It's definitely going to be nominated for a bunch of Oscars. 
It's called The Banshees of Inner Sharon. And I can't imagine how people are going to watch it. It stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson. It's from Martin McDonough. He's the Academy Award winning guy who made uh, three billboards. That's in Ebbing, Missouri. Great Irish playwright. But like, uh, there's three people in the movie theater. Like, I'm like, but if this movie came out in 1977, it'd be a packed house. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Banshees of Inner Sharon. New film. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So it's really tricky for me, but I, I have a real fondness for 90s movies because I grew up with those and 70s movies, I think, are the best movies. And now it's strange because movies just don't have the same cultural currency they used to. Now, as you and I know, a lot of the best stuff is available on TV and like, you know, streaming on HBO Max or Hulu or Amazon or Netflix. So like, I think the limited series is where there's a lot of talent now, something like Dope Sick, which I really loved. I just love the show Rami, which was on Hulu. So it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot more different options now for quality entertainment. But I, I do have a soft spot for those movies. And it's funny, you mentioned how much you love Star Wars and Marvel movies. You sound like I'm talking to my brother. He, he, loves, he loves those movies. Like he's, his favorite thing in the world is Spider-Man. He's 47 years old, but he loves, <laughs> loves Spider-Man, loves Peter Parker, has all the comic books. Uh, used to read Gru comic books, loves those too. He's, uh, his family all time is Terminator 2, nice. uh, which I haven't seen in a while, but he loves Schwarzenegger. So I'm like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like with sports. We all like different things. We have different athletes, different players. We're all in the same game. I was almost going to wear a Spider-Man shirt, but today I'm like, because I had you on, I'm doing my Reservoir Dogs 80s oh, yeah. thing. I'm like, I got to have oh, that on that there shirt. for you. That's great. Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? <laughs> Transitioning, because I got a couple more questions and we'll finish off the Father of Five with sports and all that. Um, segue into sports with movies. Is baseball the best sport that translates well into movies or no? Like, is, I'm, I'm guessing that one because everyone does baseball movies, right? Yeah, I think it is. For some reason, baseball movies are the best movies. You know, I, I think maybe it's just because the game has been around for so long and has such a rich history and, and tapestry to it. And because there's moments in between the action, you can really kind of let the emotions sink in. But, but movies generally, you know, as Roger Ebert said, are a vehicle for generating empathy. And a lot of times you can deal with nostalgia and fathers and sons and families. And, and baseball just comes naturally to all those types of things. So... You know, you look at the best baseball movies, Field of Dreams and Bull Durham and The Natural and Major League and Bad News Bears. I mean, it's endless how many great baseball movies there have been. And it's weird. The second sport I think that has the best movies is probably boxing because Raging Bull is one of the greatest films of all time. Rocky is obviously hugely popular. Creed Three is coming out next year. Um, there's, so there's lots of boxing movies. Fat City is a great film from the 70s. Um, even on the waterfront, you know, Brando's playing a boxer. So... There's something about boxing that really translates to cinema as well. Although boxing isn't, you know, not a major sport in this country at all anymore. So I think baseball movies and boxing movies seem to be really good. Whereas great football movies, you know, there's not really as many. Any Given Sunday, North Dallas 40, Longest Year, there's a few of them, but it doesn't really stand out. So I think it's something about baseball and boxing that really holds a special allure. Yeah, I think like with Any Given Sunday, that the, the memorable scene was the locker room. It had nothing to do with football, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, my wife, who, as I said, is seven years younger than me, she also loves movies like me and was also watching inappropriate movies at a younger age. She said the first time she saw any given Sunday, that locker room, she was just aghast, like, oh, God, what is going on here? So that was her, that was her welcome to girlhood moment. <laughs> just awkward movies. I think you'd appreciate this. So this is high school. My friend and I are hanging out at his girlfriend's house. We're watching Species of All movie. Mm, all of a sudden. Henstridge. Yeah, Canadian. All, all of a sudden. Uh, the, my friend's uh, girlfriend's dad comes down. It's like, oh, what are you watching? Like, oh, I'll take a look. Interesting. This I'm like, I was awkward. I'm even dating this girl. I'm like, I need to get out. <laughs> oh, man. 
So MLB Network, NHL Network, you know, you, you said earlier, like, oh, you know, I don't know how much talent I have. It's maybe it's luck. No, I think you're very talented from everything that you've done in your past. And now, um, especially my background being in radio and knowing that you have to, you know, think on your, I was producing a morning show in New Jersey at one point. And like, you always got to be, you know, quick witted and always going. So talent's there. But for you, is there something that you meant so much so far in your career that you covered or someone asked you to, you know, as a job to, you know, cover just because of where you are in your career and maybe you were trying to reach that apex or whatever, but where you ended up covering that sport meant a lot to you or that sporting event just because of where you were in your career. Yeah. I think covering the world series to me was a dream come true, you know, for a lifelong baseball fan, it's my favorite sport. I think I'd be working at ESPN covering a world series. That was really special to me. Um, you know, I, I think I was able to do that two times Red Sox when they won, um, against the Cardinals 2013. And I also did the Giants Royals, if I'm not mistaken, 2014. Um, so I did a couple of World Series for ESPN. That was definitely the very, very cool. And um, college football, a couple of national championships was very, very cool. Um, Final Four I did earlier in my career in Toronto. That was great. I remember the crowd, like the loudest crowd I've ever heard. My God. Final Four in Michigan, when Michigan State made the final. And Tom Izzo came out and I gave a pump fist to the crowd. I'll never forget that scene. It was amazing. And then North Carolina went like an 11 and two run, which just completely walloped him. But, but it was a great moment. But I think, you know, and I work in studio as I do. I think when you get to get out of the studio and do those big moments, it can be really special. So I, I would never want to be traveling all the time. I don't like travel. As I said, I don't like flying. I don't like being away from my kids. Um, I, I'm, I'm a house cat. I like to go to the studio, knock it out, come home, crack open a little Goodfellas and away we go. But when you do get to travel, it's fun to travel for the big event. So I would say those big ones probably. Even the All-Star game was really fun in San Diego. So I brought my wife and kids with me. So I remember my kids going to Fan Fest and stuff like that. So again, as you know, with your daughters, anytime you're sharing stuff with family and it's something you love, those are the memories that really stick out. And again, just I'm not trying to like pump you up, but for the nuances and all the things you have to cover for not just one sports, but for many sports that understands the inside jokes or the different things that make that part that home run or that rivalry you know legit i think it just shows you like all the research and the stuff you do so lastly before the father quick five is there a championship that means the most to you that like it's from a fan perspective like you were just like yes this is this finally happened in my lifetime yeah the big one is uh surprisingly because people were shocked though but you're born in toronto you're Canadian, you're a huge philadelphia flyers fan and that is the case because what happened is my brother was an oilers fan because naturally he cheered for gretzky um, in the, uh, the era that was such a dynasty in the 80s. So what happened was in 85, they played Philly, and I was, a, you know, naturally being brothers, I cheered against him. Flyers lost. And then 87, rabid fan now, because I'm nine years old. So now you can really understand it, watch and appreciate it. Flyers lost again. I remember like crying to my dad. I'm like, you know, he's such a religious guy. And I'm like, you told me to pray. I prayed. I prayed all night. I prayed for the Flyers. Like, what the heck, man? God's not listening to my prayers. What's going on here? I prayed for the Flyers when he beat me again. And I think my dad said something like, you know, God doesn't always answer your prayers immediately. Like, you know, one day it'll happen. And if that's important to you, the Flyers win, eventually it'll happen. Dad, I'm still waiting. That was 1987. It is now 2022. I've been a Flyers fan for 35 years. They don't look any closer than originally, I thought. But if I could see them actually win a cup, especially now I live here in North Jersey, which is two hours away. Yeah. My wife's from San Jose. She's a Sharks fan. So uh, this year I said, okay, we're going to get Sharks Flyers tickets. So I took my whole family, family of six. Again, with my age range, that's not easy. We drove two hours two Sundays ago, and it was 15 minutes after the Phillies clinched. I'm like, oh, my God. For those who don't know, the, all those things are together. So the Wells Fargo Sixers and Flyers is right there, along with Lincoln Financial Field and Citizens Bank Park. So it was 
bedlam on the streets of Philadelphia. Somehow we got parking, went there and watched. The Flyers laid an egg, but it was really fun to be there. And my, my 11 and 6-year-old, again, the 11-year-old, not into sports, but I got him. He wanted a gritty hat. So I got him a gritty hat, the Flyers mascot. And he was so happy because he got on the Jumbotron at one point. So that made his day. And then my six-year-old, same thing. He was dancing, being like Gritty as well. So Gritty takes a lot of heat, but he, he's very good for the kids. That's the reason they want to go is to see Gritty. And my 14-year-old, he actually does like hockey. So we were into it. Although he keeps wanting to watch fights. He goes, wasn't there more violence when you were – I'm like, yeah, there used to be used to be more fights when I was younger. Sorry, buddy. The game's kind of evolved. <laughs> but I, I, I think now, especially because they're into it, I think, God, if I can get a Flyer Stanley Cup win, and I can celebrate with my kids. I mean, I would just tell God at that point, all right, now I can die in peace. I'm good. <laughs> nice, man. Love it. Um, and people who are Red Sox fans like myself or Cubs fans will understand exactly how you feel and why you feel that way. So appreciate yeah. that. You've been very generous with your time. We're going to finish off with a father quick five. Usually I say like favorite family movie, but because of you and your love of movies, I'm guessing there's always a favorite family movie that's always changing. Current movie you guys like to watch together is what? Big in the Back to the Future, which uh, has been a staple now for about a year. Because again, with that age range, I mean, my four-year-old's not really watching. He's kind of running around. But the kids all love it. Flux capacitor, um, 1.21 gigawatts. I mean, who doesn't love Dr. McBrown? I think everything about that movie is just so entertaining and so well done. Quentin Tarantino the other day, I think Kimmel, I believe, called it the perfect film, which is a hell of a compliment from someone like Tarantino who's seen as many movies as he has. But I, I love Michael J. Fox. Again, being a short Canadian I have a soft spot for him. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. So I, I love everything about it. You know, the first one, it's got, it's got the science fiction stuff. And it's a really cool technological film, but also has a lot of heart. And I was explaining to my kids why I love it so much. So like, imagine you could go back in time and help your dad, like with a tough moment in his life. You know, I get, I get choked up when I think about how sweet that is. The whole concept of him helping his dad. You know, the one part where he says, he goes, dad, and he goes, what'd you say? And he goes, dad, dad, daddy-o. And, and um, you know, he's telling his dad, that he should publish his book. And he said, no, no, I, I could show his writing. He goes, no, I could never do that. He goes, I could never deal with rejection. And it's, it's such a sweet moment the way the son's, you know, he's trying to console his dad. He's like, no, I get that, dad. Like, I know what that's like. So it's, it's, a, really, it's a really sweet movie and I love it. And uh, it's really funny. Obviously, Biff, the kids love Biff. Make like a tree and get out of here. Back to the Future is it's definitely. A, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very quotable movie and everyone, everyone's seen it, right? Enchantment yeah. of the Sea Dance, everyone knows it. And I just, I mean, and Zemeckis, like as a director, there's some great moments in the clock tower and the way Doc comes flying down like that. It's, um, it's a really cool movie. I love it. You keep saying it's heavy. Is there some problem with the Earth's gravitational pull in the future? <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, do you guys, I mean, for you, is there a favorite family song right now? I know it's very wide age range, but because of the, your fan of old school music, is there a band? Is it the Beatles that you can't wait to like, you know, have your kids like, hey, listen to this? Yeah, you know what? I like, uh, I love a lot of Sam Cooke. And mm. uh, I've kind of played a little Sam Cooke with the kids. They kind of like it. You know, I love uh, Smokey Robinson. Tears of a Clown is one of my favorite songs. As I mentioned, I love Coltrane. I love Miles. Like, I think that kind of music I like to show. But it makes me think of the movie Boyhood. Remember Ethan Hawke? There's one great scene. He's one of my favorite actors. He's like playing his kids the different songs and stuff. And I remember thinking that's such a sweet moment. And my wife thought it was such a selfish moment that he was like, you know, in infringing his music upon the kid. I think it's the Beatles he's playing for his kid. So it's always interesting how there's a different perspective of that kind of stuff. Um, but then sometimes you just want fun music. Like they just, again, being a chick kid of the 90s, I can crank up Public Enemy and, you know, fight the power and they get excited. And uh, they're big into Jump Around, the House of Pain song, because obviously nice. that's, you always hear that at sporting events. So like, it's, it's funny, even the Eiffel 65 Blue has now been remade. I'm good with David Guetta and B.B. Rexa. So I, that's what I find funny too. That's, I'm like, that's a 90s song, but they're just remixing things now. So everything that is old is new again. No doubt, yeah. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? 
Well, I love Italy, which is where my wife and I went on our honeymoon. It's like, I just love Italy, just the food and the, the music and the culture, the scenery is incredible to me. So I would, we went for our honeymoon. I'd love to take the kids someday. I'd, I'd say anywhere in Italy. We went to Rome, we did Cis, uh, Venice. I'd love to go to Sicily. We'd love to do the Amalfi Coast. Anything Italian, I'm in. Nice. Um, favorite ballpark in the for the uh, Major League Baseball and hockey arena in the NHL? What, what would they be? I'll you? be biased and go Wells Fargo just because I went there and it's and everyone's wearing flyer. Again, you gotta understand. I grew up, you know, in Kingston, Ontario. When I would go to Maple Leaf Gardens, I was like, you know, one of 25, 30 Flyer fans. Like Flyers fans, pretty good fan base. You'd see other Flyers fans, but it's a lot of blue and white. And then I went to school at Ryerson, which is right downtown. It's a it's a ten minute walk from where the Leafs played for so many years. Maple Leaf Gardens. It was always just offensive to me being around such blue and white. So when I, when I get to see the black and orange, I'm like, oh my God, this is just incredible. Like I can tell my kid, you know, 15,000 people wearing black and orange. This never happened to me when I was growing up. Um, but I would say for baseball, Camden Yards. I love mm. it. Not just because it's orange, which is Flyers colors, but I think it's it's a great mix of the old and the new. And I love the the retro feel of it. There's not a bad seat there. Orioles actually had a really good year this year, which was nice to see. Every time I go to Camden Yards, I fall in love with that place. I love it such a good family park uh family friendly park my daughter when she was my oldest when she was six months had her in the bjorn the guy's like first uh, time i was like yeah i was like go three doors down you'll get a certificate and you know I'm like cool yeah and i'm a red sox fan i'm like i don't think fenway would be doing that to me <laughs> so i'm like, I kinda like that. <laughs> and lastly top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad what would you want them to be oh man I'm gonna, oh, i think loving is a big one caring and i would say devoted i think those, nice. are, those are all kind of kind of in the same family but i think you want to be able to say hey my dad really loves me and he cares about me and, and devoted is a big one right because you you always want to make sure that your kids are your priority and again we all have lots of other interests i, I i've joked with other dads like man i can't wait to put the kids to bed so i can watch boogie nights but at the same time you have to uh, appreciate those moments and it's a weird thing i'm sure you find this sometimes too it's like you have to kind of balance everything right it goes back to balance you 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 feel good about things. You're trying to get things done, but then there's other frustrations. There's other stress. The phone's ringing. Someone's texting. Someone's doing this. So I think it's about being in balance and, and making sure your kids always know that they are the priority. So loving, caring, devoted, affection would be pretty good. A good hang. <laughs> I think those will all be fun things. Great three words right there. People, make sure you follow Adnan on Twitter and Instagram at Adnan S. Verk. Check out Cinephile Podcast. I highly recommend this because not only do you, you, you share a great view on movies, but you have... Chris Cody, who has kind of love for movies, but you guys going back and forth and you kind of like giving him instructions on like how, what to look for. I love. Um, and also check him out on uh, NHL and MLB networks. You've been very gracious with your time. I know you're super busy, but I wish you and your family continued success, sir. Of course, sir. When you say Cody kind of likes movies, that's your way of saying he doesn't really know anything about movies. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a great sidekick and he's a great guy. He's very funny. So I, I really love having him with the, you know, the pod. It's great. And and I see the Mortal Kombat in the back. I, I wish you and your family the best. I, I want to look at your all your Star Wars stuff. It's amazing. Think about Star Wars people, man. It's never you're never just kind of in. You're all the way in, which I really admire. How old are your daughters, by the way, Art? Uh, fourteen and twelve. Oh man. Okay. So those are good ages right now. You're still you're still living the good life. That's great. Good for you. Yes, Thanks for having me, man. This was fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net. And please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because I'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. 
Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.